despite all the bad news that is currently surrounding the Red Sox, especially after they lost to the Braves in game one of their series, me and Chris Henrik try to look at some of the positives as well as what we saw go well during the Braves and Red Sox game one. You are locked on Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to welcome you back into the Locked On Red Sox podcast. And thank you so much for making Locked On Red Sox your first listen of every single day. I'm your host, Massachusetts Pirates team insider, Jake Inazuski. And we continue rolling with the great guests throughout this week. And as I ended to in yesterday's episode, we have on a very special guest, Chris Henrik, who is the founder of the Beyond the Monster podcast and the co-host of the Obstructive View Red Sox podcast. And Chris and I not only look at what the Red Sox did on Tuesday night in their loss against the Braves, talk about a little bit about some positives that we saw coming out of that loss, but we also look at sort of what Bloom mentioned in his recent interview with Inside the Monster Red Sox podcast and break down a little bit of our thoughts on not only what he mentioned about the trade deadline, but of the future of this team and where we could potentially see the Red Sox going during the offseason. Now let's listen to Chris and I's conversation. We are here with a very special guest. He is the founder of Beyond the Monster and co-host of the Obstructed View Red Sox podcast. I'm here with Chris Henrique. How are we doing today, Chris? Doing pretty good. Excited to be here. Second time on Locked On, so uh, excited. Ready to talk some. And and when we first talked, it was a little bit more positive. And uh, we're going to still try and keep this positive. You know, when I had Micah on uh, yesterday, that, that was sort of the theme of the episode. I know some people in the comments on YouTube were like, well, you're just being delusional. Well, you can either call it delusional or I can just be sad about what's going on. So all we're going to try to do on here is do our best to sort of unravel all the uh, bad news that the Red Sox are getting right now and really give our thoughts in the, in the most uh, honest way that we really can. I'll be candid as well. That's what I'll do. You know what I mean? I try to be, like I said, when we talked pre-show, you know, when it, on the Obstructive View podcast, I try to be that voice to kind of challenge the guys on the show. So uh, for me, I get it. It's it's not always going to be, as I like to say, rainbows and butterflies with this Red Sox team. So we'll see. We'll see how the show goes. And we're not only going to be recapping sort of what happened uh, on Tuesday night's game where the Red Sox lost to the Braves in extra innings, but we're also going to be sort of uncovering, uh, you know, our reactions to stuff that's happened recently. And, you know, I, I sort of wanted to start off talking about uh, – I know you haven't listened to it just yet, but I just finished listening to the Heim Bloom interview uh, from the Inside the Monster podcast uh, with Steve Peralt and Joey Capone. And obviously for all of our listeners, like I want you to listen to our podcast, but Steve and Joey did an amazing job of uh, really unraveling a lot of answers that I believe Red Sox uh, fans had questions about. And uh, the main thing that I-, I was really interested about was was sort of uh, the misconception on why he wasn't in Houston uh, when 
Christian Vasquez eventually got uh, traded. And and this is one thing that I didn't even think about. He he, have, he he explained that, you know, with how many people were working on the trade deadline with everything that was going on, the amount that they were communicating, it wouldn't have made sense if they were in two completely different places, two completely different time zones. And he mentioned that they really talked it through and were nervous that, you know, that maybe they could have missed a deal. Maybe th- something could have, you know, not, not been communicated as quickly as it would have if they were all in one place. And, and that's one thing that when Lauren and I really unraveled, you know, Vasquez getting traded, we were really frustrated that, you know, Heim Bloom wasn't there in Houston to tell him in person and that Vasquez wasn't one of the main guys who was told like Bogey and uh, Devers that, you know, he was being traded. Yeah. So, I was a little shocked that there was not even just a representative from the Red Sox down there from the front office. Um, you know, it, it just, it was, I think what made the, what, what made it a bad look was the way that Vasquez was way, way found out. He's out there. He's taking batting practice. He starts to find out from the other media members from both sides. And then he starts to, you know, do a miniature little press conference and then he gets pulled off by Red Sox public relations. So I think it's more so, you know, it wasn't the greatest look. It didn't seem like the Red Sox were um, kind of organized from that standpoint. I can understand, you know, where, yeah, there's there's hundreds of calls being made and you want to make sure that you're not missing a beat. Um, I would have to think, though, there's got to be someone from the front office that isn't going to be, you know, directly involved that you could have sent there. You know, I'm sure they maybe planned it out, but uh, from those optics, at least for me, it was a little surprised to see that. Um, but again, I can also, you know, I also understand too, you know, I mean, it, they have a big front office. There's a lot of money that goes into those guys and the decisions that they're making. And, you know, um, you would like to know that Bloom is, is having that conversation, but I also too, don't really think it's high in Bloom's place to say to Christian Vasquez, Hey, look, man, we're going to, we're going to move you to Houston. You know, you can trickle that down to the manager and then maybe you want to have a combo later on with Christian or whatever. But um, I think maybe from a fan's perspective, the reason why there was some pushback and outlash was uh, was maybe more of the way Vasquez found out. Yeah, I, I I mentioned on on this podcast, you know, when it all unraveled, I've never seen a player be, be told like Christian Vasquez really found out. And, you know, obviously we found out afterwards that he, he got a little bit of a hint from Alex Cora that maybe something was going on, but uh, it, it was, it was um, a little bit uh, interesting as well to hear Heim's whole perspective on, you know, the confusion that some Red Sox fans have and uh, about the buying and selling of, of what they did. And, you know, my, my main thing, you know, uh, really, uh, reflecting on what they did during the trade deadline. I've said it multiple times is I, I understand, you know, both buying and selling, but why do nothing to the bullpen when that's been the massive issue all throughout this season? And if you're trying to win, why not do, do anything to, in my opinion, the biggest Achilles heel of this team currently. But, you know, Haim really mentioned in the interview saying that, uh, you know, we could have been like a team where, you know, you blow it all up and you just take what you can get from, uh, you know, JD or Evaldi, some of the guys that they did not trade, but he said, you know, we, we were looking at it and we felt, you know, some of the guys who were coming back from injuries and, you know, with the amount of ground that we had to build up on to get back into the wild card race, we still had a little bit of a chance and might as well as take a, take advantage of the opportunity while we still have it. 
Yeah, I, I think it was a massive miss, though, not going out and getting a reliever. Jake, moving on from Jake Diekman, that was that was a huge W for them. Um, mainly won his performance on the field. Very, you know, wishy-washy this year. But to get away from that, the contract that, that he was signed to. So you move on from there. Um, you know, Bloom, though, did say for months that they were going to be involved in getting a right-handed reliever. And he didn't follow through, you know, with what he said. Now, maybe Brian Bayo was going to be that person that was going to maybe fill in that role. Unfortunately, he had that groin injury during that Astros series, and we weren't able to kind of see maybe him, uh, you know, pitch in relief a little bit more. Um, but I, I would have to think that there was a right-handed reliever that was available that that team could have gone out and made a move for, you know, um, which I think is a miss. Now, as for not moving Nathan Ivaldi or J.D. Martinez, I'm fine with that. Um, I guess my concern, though, is if you're over the luxury tax, it's not a second-round pick, and it's, it's what, a fourth or fifth-round pick? So the compensation isn't going to be as good, but were the players that they were potentially going to get back similar to what that compensation pick is going to be? Mm-hmm. Which which maybe that that could be the case too, um, but I'm definitely interested. I'm going to listen to that podcast tomorrow. Um, you know, just to, I always I'm always um, I always like to take a few minutes and I like to listen to anything that Hein Bloom does when he when he does podcasts because I think he's very insightful. Sometimes I think he talks in circles and he says the same robotic yeah. responses, but yep. I do feel that he that he provides a lot of value with what he's saying, and you can try to get a little bit of an insight as to what they're thinking and, and might uh, might be doing. So, um, but disappointed, yes. So they didn't they didn't uh, you know address that bullpen, but I'm excited in a way that they didn't go and completely blow it up because it would have really made the rest of this season miserable to watch, and I don't necessarily know and or think the fan base knows what it's like to blow it up because we haven't seen that. Yeah, we, we really haven't fully seen that. I, I mean, I remember uh, what happened in 2014, obviously, with Lackey and Lester, but that wasn't that wasn't a full sell mode. But I remember th- like that's essentially the closest, I guess, that we've we've gotten to it. Uh, maybe, maybe not full mode like we saw the Reds do it as well as, you know, the Cubs over the last year or so. Uh, but but that's one thing that, you know, when when listening to this podcast, uh, w- one of the one of the major things that, uh, you know, made me really think about is uh, if, if the same circumstances that are happening to this current Red Sox team, you know, let's say uh, what happened in July, uh, it similarly happened last year in August, but not, in my opinion, to the severity as we saw with the injuries uh, throughout the month of July uh, as what happened last last year in August during the COVID outbreak. But Heim basically mentioned that if, uh, if, if something similar happened, they wouldn't have had anywhere close to the depth that the team currently has to be able to withstand all those injuries at the same amount of time. And uh, really gave credit to, you know, Cutter Crawford, Josh Winkowski, and, and said, you know, that's one of the biggest reasons why they built up some of that depth during the offseason with Waka Hill. And, you know, it, it was really tough for them to get a lot of those hits at the same time at the rotation and obviously throughout their depth chart. But he also mentioned as well that, you know, uh, learning from both of these situations over these last two years, uh, 
he's his main thing is that he wants eight to ten uh, of those depth players uh, in that in specifically the pitching department to be able to fill in and mainly have it be homegrown guys. And, and that's what we've really seen him build over the last two years or so. We hope that you are enjoying my conversation with Chris Henrique, but I just want to take a second to talk about Blue Nile. And so if you're looking for any fine jewelry, whether it's for an engagement or just a special moment, BlueNile.com is the number one place to get just that. They have some great simple online tools that help you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity and also setting style for any engagement ring for that special someone. So each ring is one of a kind. And... Also, if you're having trouble choosing which type of fine jewelry that you're looking for, Blue Nile has their bench jewelers on hand to help you be able to learn a little bit about what you're putting your money into. And they're on hand 24-7 via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at any budget. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And going on now is Blue Nile's anniversary sale. And you can save up to 40% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement ring settings. Plus, every order is insured, shipped free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever piece. Go to BlueNile.com today. Now let's get back to my conversation with Chris. Him building his the pitching depth has been um, has whether or not fans or you know people who cover the team or which have you feel that the depth is is good enough. But if we even just go back to 2020, 2020 was just Band Aid City. It, you know, it was the Zach Godleys and the Ryan Webbers of the world and Jeffrey Springs who you know turned it around when he went to Tampa Bay. Chris Mazza, those type of players, just straight up Band Aids nonstop. Where now over the last two years. You know, you're getting the likes of a Cutter Crawford, who, to be honest with you, for me, like, I think he's the biggest surprise out of all of these guys. I'm talking offense and, you know, from a pitching perspective. He had a good offseason. He, you know, which gave us some hope. And then I think with Cutter, though, there was a few of those moments last year. And then he started off the season kind of, you know, on, on the, you know, on a rough side where fans were just, or is this more of the, you know, same, just, you know, Bloom just throwing stuff against the wall type of thing. But I think Cutter has pitched himself in a in a spot where he can be part of the conversation for next year. I think him more so than Josh Winkowski. I think Winkowski is going to have an opportunity. Um, I just really like what Cutter Cropper. I feel like the team responds really well when, when, they're on, when, when he's out there. But, you know, it is nice to see that the Red Sox are trying to develop these players from within. The only other, you know, argument in the in to, on the flip side of that would be though is, I like the fact you're building from within, but can we find other players from the major league perspective that can help this team on a bigger impact scale than the likes of say Rich Hill? You know, was there another arm out there that that the Red Sox could have gone out and signed that wasn't Rich Hill that could provide a little bit more upside than what we you know, I mean, Hill's going to now pitch in the bullpen, you know? So, um, you know, I think he struck, you know, a little bit of lightning in a bottle with Michael Walker. I hope he, when he comes back towards the latter half in, and round out the season that we get something similar to what we saw prior to him going on the injured list. I really want for next season and this, as a matter of fact, this off season and then going for next season that Heimblum, yes, I want to still build 
the farm. I still want to see him bring in those players, but I want him to bring in some stronger players from the major league standpoint because this team, I think, could I think this team could really use something like that. Who that arm is, I don't know. I haven't really done a deep dive yet on what the free agent market's going to look like and and how that you know is going to shake out. But I have to think that there are there going to be better options than say a Rich Hill. I think he's pitched you know okay for someone who's you know 42, 43. But this team needs something better than that next season. Right. And, and that's sort of, I, I believe, the whole reaction of Red Sox fans when they did make those initial moves. Because, I, I mean, I was saying on this podcast, and I, I alluded to it yesterday uh, with Micah, I was very wrong about Michael Walker. But when, when the Sox first signed him, I thought $7 million was too expensive for a guy who was, was really a, a toss-up in the air. And, and something that with Heim, that, you know, I, I want him to get more out of his comfort zone. Stop grabbing all these guys who you got with the Rays. You know, like a Rich Hill, Michael Walker, Tommy yeah. Pham. Like, I understand, like, it worked out when you were in Tampa, but at the same time, let's go. There's, there's so many players in the majors and the minors that you can go and grab who are able to make an impact on this team. But, you know, something that, you know, Lauren has mentioned multiple times over, over this last month or so during this dreadful month and you know i've, I've seen a lot on twitter is it's a lot of blaming heim's inability to get some of those depth pieces or to get those better players during the offseason and obviously you know people are mentioning it during the deadline as well but you know then there's also the side of the people who you know bring up the injuries and that you know it's not a Heim bloom issue for why this is currently happening with the red sox due to the injuries and you know if if the Red Sox didn't have the depth, you know, maybe they would be even worse than they are right now. But I want to get your thoughts on it. I think the injury piece is really, it's a double-edged sword. You know, um, I think it's really easy for any of us to go and gravitate towards, well, I'm just going to win my argument and say, well, half the team is hurt. You know, um, the thing though, with when it, from the, from that pitching standpoint and to your point with Tampa Bay Cast a wider net. What I do give him credit for is obviously he's looking at it from a deeper analytical standpoint than what we are as fans, right? Mm -hmm. We look at Michael Waka and his elevated ERA from last season and we're like, why are you giving this guy seven mil? When they saw a guy who pitched very well to end the season and that his changeup was completely lights out, and that the Red Sox felt they could build off of that, and then they did. And then, you know, the team got to reap the benefits of it at the beginning of the season. I think, though, Bloom needs to just try to go ahead and find some of those other pieces that really don't have anything to do with Tampa Bay and to show that he can, you know, branch out of his own comfort zone from that standpoint. Now, that the, the depth piece, though, again... I'm happy that he's done what he has done because, to your point, this team would probably be, yes, in the basement, but someone may even say, would they be three, four games into 500 right now? Probably not. They'd probably be 10, 15, you know? So it's going to be interesting. This offseason for Bloom is going to be the most important offseason for him. It's yeah. going to make or break whether or not he is going to be with this team long-term. Um I, I'm going to throw this piece out here too. Would it absolutely surprise me if we learn at the conclusion of the season that the Red Sox dismissed Heimblum? That wouldn't even shock me either. You know what I mean? I, so, but be I, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm not even advocating for that to happen, but it wouldn't surprise me 
if all of a sudden, you know, that was tweeted out and that was the breaking news. However, if this team sucks like they do this year from a standing standpoint, uh, this at this point next year, it's going to be really hard for Heimbloom to, yeah. to, to survive that. He needs to go and figure out what's going to happen with Xander Bogarts. He needs to figure out what we're going to do with Rafi Devers. I think we all understand that, that J.D. Martinez is pretty much a foregone conclusion that he's going to move on. Mm-hmm. And that, that's fine. You can find a bat in production elsewhere. Maybe not J.D.'s production, but he also hasn't been the most productive this year anyway. So it, this is the biggest offseason for Bloom. And honestly, this is this is probably the, one of the biggest offseasons this franchise has had in – you say 20 years <laughs> maybe 20 25 years yeah you know? i mean the, the the big reason why i said you know i'd be pissed about you know if they dismissed time bloom i mean obviously you know, people who listen to this podcast they know i'm a big heim bloom fan you know in heim we trust but you know the main thing for why i'd be frustrated even more frustrated is that that just begs the question what's the direction <laughs> you know if, yeah. if, if you're gonna fire the guy who you know, preaches consistency and, you know, built back up this farm system. Like, what's the direction? Like, are, are you going to go back to a Dombrowski? Like, where are we going from here? Yeah, and this is something that has just been so frustrating, you know, that, that you know, Lauren and I have talked about throughout this season is, you know, the ups and downs. You know, this is so much like 2014, 2019. You know, just have consistency for once. Yeah, I think what makes it really difficult to – is that obviously they're having a down year. You have the fan base that's complete. This is the most split a Red Sox fan base is probably I've ever seen in my life. You either have, I I'm okay with what Bloom's doing. I'm going to support what's happening. Or you wish the dude gets hit by a car when he walks out of Fenway park. You have those two like split portions of the fan base. I, I, it got so bad that I had a girl on hinge ask me, this is either going to make or break if we, if we continue talking. What's your thoughts on Heimblum? <laughs> that's extreme. Um, <laughs> that's extreme. But I also think about too. I think there's a there's a lot of things that I wonder if we're actually thinking about from a fan base that's coming up. Think about it. The Red Sox just announced, obviously with Nesson, Nesson three sixty, mm-hmm. thirty bucks a month. There's their content they have on there. You're going to want people to, to subscribe to that app. Who's going to subscribe to that app when Xander Bogarts is maybe wearing a Cardinals uniform and we're talking about maybe trading Rafael Devers and J.D. walked and Nathan Evaldi walked. I think that the Red Sox ownership right now is finally woken up over the last handful of weeks. I think they're finally listening to what the fans are saying. And I think that they're going to intervene a little bit and say, hi, look, I, we're going to continue with, quote, the plan. I'm using quotation fingers here. But we also need to make sure that we're not losing these stars because there's a lot of other things that's tied into what we're trying to do right. that's deeper than what's on the field. We want okay. what's on the field to be important because that's what we're going to watch. It's, we're going to be buying the hot dogs and beer and truly and everything else at the ballpark, right? But they want to they sell that app. You're not selling it with those players not wearing the Red Sox laundry. Yeah. So – this is gonna this this off season is gonna be the most interesting off season I think that we're gonna be able to cover and talk about. I don't think we're ever gonna see anything like it again, and I hope that we don't get through this, figure it out, and then you know let's build what the future Red Sox teams are gonna look like. 
Yeah, I didn't even, I didn't even think about that factor of, of Nesson 360. I, I think that's a great point because really all they'd be, you know, marketing, you know, outside of, you know, the 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 cornerstones of this franchise bogey endeavors is Alex Verdugo, uh, you know, Bobby Delbeck and Chris Sale praying that he comes back. Uh, but but I, I want to make sure that we also do uh, talk a little bit about what did happen uh, on Tuesday night against the Braves, where the Red Sox lost yeah. nine to seven in extra innings. Uh, really tough loss uh, for a, a, a team that really we saw the fight. This is this is the first time in a little bit that I've really seen the fight from this team going back and forth with one of the best teams in the league in the Atlanta Braves. Really tough to see a guy like Eric Hosmer uh, come down with an injury as well. But, uh, you know, b- b- before we really break everything down, uh, one thing that I did want to mention that I, I, I already know everybody that's listening is like, I know, Jake, we've known this for a while. Caleb Ward is not a major league pitcher. And I've been able to talk to Caleb before. I've been able to gain a relationship with him. And it's, it's just unfortunate to blatantly say he's not a major league pitcher. We've seen time and time again that he allows uh, MLB batters to really take advantage of his stuff. And, you know, he's a guy where I don't understand why you put even put him in that situation. He's in that situation because the Red Sox didn't go out and address the situation at the deadline. Amen. That's why he's in that situation. And there's a reason why, and, and again, I don't know Caleb, but there's a reason why he's a journeyman minor leaguer. You know what I mean? So had Boston gone and got legitimate relief help, then maybe Caleb Orr is not pitching high leverage situations for the Red Sox against the defending World Series champions. You know, every one of these games that they coughed up at the beginning of the season is now coming to roost right now. You know, and, and when you lose games – that you fought like they did last night. Mm-hmm. Tommy Pham, you know, hits that massive home run at deep center field. Jaron Duran needed that home run last night yes. for his confidence. You know what I mean? Like he needed that more than anything. And I know we, and I bashed Duran too. Trust me, we all have done it. We've all, you know, we've all, you know, got our kicks in on Duran. Uh, he needed that, you know, and it was all for naught. So to me, the biggest, you know, piece out of that game though is, Hopefully Hosmer is not going to be a long-term injury. He's not playing in the in game two of this series either. So hopefully it's something that they can just manage over the next couple of days and he's back and he's back in that lineup and because that's going to provide a, a big boost to this team. Yeah, and, and, for, and for people who didn't watch last night, Caleb Orr ultimately ended up getting credited for three earned runs. Uh, and obviously Austin Davis came in, ended up allowing a, a few of those as well. But uh, it, it's it's unfortunate that it has to get to that point. And it shouldn't even have gone to that point, uh, you know, if, if we saw you know Matt Barnes uh, – do what his value says that he should be doing, which is being a productive major league bullpen pitcher. Uh, and, and we just haven't seen that throughout uh, this season and obviously last season as well. But, you know, as you mentioned, Duran came up clutch with that home run. Same with Tommy Pham. It was really nice to see Christian Arroyo as well, uh, find, finding a way to, you know, can continue to resurge uh, sort of his presence in this Red Sox roster. And it, it was really nice to see, uh, you know, anytime, you know, the Braves came back, the Red Sox just came right back. You know, we, we really haven't seen that fight since June, uh, but it's tough when you don't have any reliable pitching really whatsoever in your bullpen other than John Schreiber uh, and Garrett Whitlock to be able to seal the deal on this win. I hope that you are enjoying my conversation with Chris, but I just want to take a second to talk to you about 
I hope that you are enjoying my conversation with Chris, but I just want to take a second to talk to you about Liver Health Formula by Pure Health Research. And did you know that the key to sustainable weight loss is through your liver? Well, the liver is the body's metabolic furnace, and it's responsible for flushing out harmful toxins and igniting your fat-burning metabolism. But thanks to modern diets rich in unhealthy processed foods and constant exposure to thousands of man-made and environmental toxins, most of us have overworked our livers. And now it's easy to rejuvenate your liver health and reignite your metabolism thanks to Liver Health Formula by Pure Health Research. And this contains eight liver-boosting super nutrients like turmeric, beet, and artichoke extract, and all of which work together to wake up a sluggish liver and turn it into toxin-flushing, fat-burning machine. No more bloated belly, no more uncomfortable digestion, no more feeling tired or low on energy all the time. And best of all, liver health formula makes it easier for you to maintain a healthy body weight long-term. As a listener of this show, you can try liver health formula risk-free today and get a free bottle of curb fit with your order curb fit is a safe and all natural appetite supplement making it easy to say no to naughty foods and this makes it a perfect complement to liver health formula go to getliverhelp.com mlb to learn more again that's getliverhelp.com mlb to try liver health formula completely risk-free and claim your free bottle of curb fit with your order Go to getliverhelp.com slash MLB now to get started. Now let's get back to my conversation with Chris. Yeah, you know, um, credit to Christian Arroyo too because, you know, he's just – I need to – I want to see a, a, a full year of Christian Arroyo where he does not have to spend five minutes on the injured list. Yeah. I want to see what he can be – over a course of a full year, say he gets to play 130 games, what does that look like? Is he a 285 hitter? You know what I mean? Is he someone that can go ahead and, and smack 12 bombs, drive in maybe 65 RBIs? Is that is that the same player that he is? You know what I mean? Right. He shows those like glimpses, but then he also shows that maybe he's nothing more than you know that bench depth piece on a very good team that he shouldn't be starting every day for a team like the Red Sox. Um, so I'm so like back and forth on him, you know, like we, we talk about it on our podcast, you know, um, one of the guys is, is a Christian Arroyo truther. And then I'll go back at him about that because of just the fact that he can't stay healthy. So I want to see Arroyo finish out this year strong, you know, his average is around 270, 275, you know, can he push it up to around 290 and, you know, who knows, maybe he's a tradable piece too. You know what I mean? Try to cash in while he's a little bit hot. I want to circle back though really quick on Matt Barnes. Mm-hmm. I have to think that this team has got to figure out a way to move on from him this offseason. They have to. You have to figure out a way, eat five million of it, throw something else in there. You know, I he provided moments for this team years ago during that World Series run. Mm-hmm. He was such an important piece, but you know, that unfortunately now is the past. And this team needs to move forward. I don't know what happened with that. It's like all of a sudden, like one day, he completely just fell off the face of the earth when it comes to being a productive pitcher. I've never seen anything like it since Daniel Bard. And it's yeah. it's pretty crazy how much of a decline it was because, you know, we, we talk about Bard as, you know, 
being that guy to replace Jonathan Papelbon. It was, you know, Bobby Valentine putting him as a starter to that really started his yips, which they call him. But with, with Barnes, we're, we're talking about an AL all-star. And then right after, you know, he left the all-star game, he just completely forgot how to pitch. Yeah. It, it, it's sad. You know what I mean? Because it is. yeah, I remember, you know, actually I, when we got the news that he signed, I was pumping gas. I was at the gas station and um, I was writing with a different website and I got the text saying like, Hey, you're going to, can you pump out an article? And I remember like pulling off to the side really quick and just, you know, getting an article real quick out of my phone. I was excited. Hey, you know, they're rewarding this guy. He deserved it. Mm-hmm. And then it was just the second that the ink touched the paper. It was, I have no idea. It, it, it's, it sucks, but the Red Sox need to move on from him. They, they have to move on. They have to, they have to just cut ties, cut bait and, and, and go from there. I, I think that they're going to do a, that a lot this offseason. I, I don't really see Bobby Delbeck staying with this team. Uh, I, I I would be very surprised if, if a lot of the guys are on the 25-man roster or even, even you know, on the 40-man roster are, are still with this organization. Uh, and I, I think you put it perfectly. This is going to be the biggest offseason we've seen for the Red Sox, in my opinion, in your opinion as well, 20, 25 years or so. And, you know, I'm 23, so I, I don't even know. Really, really, what what it, what was going on? You know, after 1999, you know, obviously I know a little bit now, but I wasn't alive for it. But w- one last thing that I got for you, Chris, because this is one thing that you know we're all praying that occurs, and this is something that Heim Bloom even said when he was finishing off his interview with with Chris and Joey is we got to make a run. And do you think that the Red Sox can make that happen, even with all the injuries going on right now? So my heart, right says yes. My heart will always say yes. This team could be 20 games out of a final playoff spot, and I'll always say this team is going to try to make a run because that's, you know, that's what I think being a Red Sox fan is, right? Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think so, man. And I, it pains me to say that. From a content standpoint, need them to make a run. It, you know what I mean? It will make it a lot easier for creating content and, and finding things to talk about. Win tonight. Split the series with Atlanta. Win tonight. Baltimore comes in for a game. Win tomorrow. And then you go into this weekend and just get wild. Have Go nuts. I mean, I would just play as if you have nothing to lose at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, play like you get nothing to lose. Focus on winning series. They're, what, five games out of the final wild card spot now? If by, like, the end of next week you're three games out with, like, what, five weeks to go, six weeks to go or so? But right now, as currently where we're sitting, August 10th, I hate to say it, but I don't think the Red Sox can make that run. I, I really think that um, – I'm going to use a term here that I hate. I hate when people go online and they say that Heim's cooking. drives me nuts. I hate <laughs> that more than anything, right? I think this team's, I think this team's cooked. I think this team's cooked. I d- <laughs> Just so you know, like in your replies for the next like week or so, that's what I'm gonna say. Just as a little oh joke, boy. But um, but yeah, I, I it pains me as well, and I, I think that it's really gonna come down to the wire, like it was last year, where it really shouldn't have last year. Uh, but I, I feel like even if you know we get down to the last last game of the season and the Sox are you know one game out, it's gonna be crushing. But if they're able to make it entertaining and interesting to where it's not like it's not like 
let's say they make the playoffs and as fans were like, they didn't deserve it. I would hate for it to be like that. We, we want them to show that fight. We want them to make it interesting. We want to make, we want them to make it fun to watch. And, you know, if they make it, they make it. If they don't, we're, I'm just going to have a lot of work to do during this offseason, even more than we even think that he might uh, to be able to get this team back to where they were last year, even better than they were last year to make it to the World Series and ultimately hoist up that trophy. I have one question for you. I want to ask you a question. I'm going to put my, the, my host cap on really quick. So I asked the guys on the Obstructed You podcast when we recorded yesterday and we dropped the Chris Sale broke his wrist episode. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you the same question I posed to the guys. And I really think this is like super highly unlikely, but I'm going to pose the question. Do you think the Red Sox ownership is going to say to Bloom, do whatever you need to do. We need to cut bait with Chris Sale. We'll eat I, what we need to eat. We'll do what we need to do. He's not healthy. He's provided us nothing over the last handful of years. We need to move on. Do you think the Red Sox will do that? And do you want the Red Sox to do that? I thought about this a lot during my drive home, especially when I was listening to the Bloom interview and they were talking about sale. And all I thought about is when is, when is he going to be Chris Sale again? Because we, we, we've just been waiting for that. And it's really been such a tough and excruciating uh, incru- uh, wait just being patient and i i would not be surprised if that happens i i think i think, that, they, I think they should man i really do and i, I think you i, I don't dis- disagree and if you want to like to kind of you know you, you just threw out there you know like when is chris sale going to be chris sale again i think the only place you're going to see chris sale be chris sale again is when you turn on your ps4 or ps5 and play mlb the show yeah that's the only place that chris sale is ever going to be what he is again because he's shown nothing that he can be reliable. The fact that we think, and I say we as like a Red Sox fan base, not as like you or I, but like as a Red mm-hmm. Sox fan base, that he's just going to come riding in. I guess it's a bad example, but he's going to come just riding on in on his little bicycle next season yeah. and be the ace of the staff. His little bicycle. Yeah, like, I was thinking of I a horse, think, you know, like no, I'm coming in to rescue. You know, it's unfortunate. It really <laughs> he is. Comes in on his bike, falls again, like. But, the, but like, I, I mean, and, like, that's when you brought up Christian Arroyo, like, that's what I thought about with Heim Blooms. Like, when is the voodoo – where's the voodoo doll? Because he yeah. really has been, like, Christian Arroyo of just so unlucky. But it's unfortunate because we're paying Chris Sale $30 million. And I, I think it would be of the Red Sox' best interest to completely reset their payroll and get all the Dave Dombrowski BS, like, re, fully reset it so we can really start uh, – building for this future and paying the guys that really deserve it of Xander Bogards and Rafael Devers. And also I, I think as well, it, it's, it's just, it's continuous uh, of every single year. We think that Chris Taylor is going to be the savior and he's ultimately just not going to be. And what, what you made me nervous is I thought you were going to say, is the ownership going to tell Bloom to do whatever possible to win? And the first thing that came to mind was the Hanley Ramirez and Pablo Sandoval BS no, that we no, saw no. Uh, them sort of, or I guess the media, media blame on Ben Sherrington, but everybody knows it was the ownership that forced him to do that. I, I think if you see a rather quick deal with Xander Bogarts this offseason, I think that's going to be more of, a, of, of an ownership piece. 
not that I don't think Heimblum wants to keep Xander Bogarts, yeah. but I think to circle back on that Nesson piece and the 360 and just the optics of this team, mm. you know, I don't think that the, I think the ownership group is going to be willing to spend. We also got to understand too, their, their payroll number is going to come down dramatically. There's so many contracts coming off the books. Yeah. Take care of Xander. It doesn't have to be for like eight years. I'm sure you can get something done very similar to like a Trevor story deal from like a year standpoint, you know, like four years guaranteed. And if you can pick up this option by whatever, two more, whatever, um, you know, I, I think you can get that done. Give the, give the team, the guys that are there, the confidence that you're going to invest in the product that you currently have. I've been saying this the last couple of weeks as we wrap up. Heimblum has talked about long-term, the uses the, the, the term sustainability, right? That's it. I want to make a shirt that just says sustainability with like Heim's face somewhere, you know, blended in the background. Sustainability is a big thing. Well, Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers is exactly what you are preaching to your organization. They were scouted. They were signed. They were developed. They came up within your program. Now they're producing with the Red Sox. If you just jettison them and, and let them leave, what does that say to the Marcella Myers, the Blaze Jordans, the, um, Tristan Casas, uh, Nico? Hell, all these guys that you're bringing in that you're drafting, what you're telling them is that you're good here for at least six years because after that, we're going to try to get you to like that Garrett Whitlock type contract. And if you don't sign it, we're going to move you. Mm-hmm. I just think it's, it's, it's a super bad precedent if you don't go – and try to take care of Xander and Rafael Devers because it's what's right for the team. I'm not even saying that from like the Red Sox homer piece. Like that's what's right for this team. Go yeah. out, take care of those two guys, and in the process, Heimblum will begin. Not that he really needs to win back the fan base, but I don't think it would hurt. Yeah, so. I I couldn't agree more. And you know, one thing that like I I keep on thinking back about is. Uh, I love what Alex Anton Antonellis did with the Braves with Ozzy Albies and Ronald Cunha. Obviously, you're not going to be able to do that with every player, but you know, locking them up not only during their arbitration years, but one or two years into when they would be ultimately free agents, yeah. just so that there's a little bit more reassurance with the fan base that these guys are going to be here next year. So then we don't have to have a 2022 again where we have zero clue who's going to be on the depth chart next year that's not fun as a fan to start planning for you know red sox games next season when you have no clue if this is going to even be a winning product whatsoever and that's just one thing that you know i loved what he did with garrett whitlock signing to a four-year deal do that with alex verdugo too once we start seeing some more value out of him obviously he's only his second full season so who knows if, if he's really a long-term piece, but still guys like that who you can start to really rally around and be more of cornerstones other than it just being Devers and Bogey. Uh, because that's something where I've just been waiting for, you know, guys like the Uke, the Veritek, the Ortiz, just, just those guys that we have around all the time who are really able to produce on the field and you're really able to build a much stronger fan relationship with the team that way. I agree. I agree. I look. I'm looking forward to the off season. I not that I want baseball to end. You know what I mean. But I'm looking forward to the off season. There's, there's gonna be some some things that I'm gonna write about some players that I wouldn't uh, be surprised if the Red Sox could be in the mix for. Looking forward to dropping those in the in the coming weeks. There's one player that I really want the Red Sox 
to get. I'm going to tease it right now with just that, and I'll tell you off the air. Um, and that way, uh, that way, people can go onto the Substack and throw their email in and get it. So, yeah. So let, let people know how they can go and support you because you you do a, you do a great job with all your Red Sauce content. Not only you know your personal stuff with Beyond the Monster and your personal Twitter, but also with your podcast and everything like that. Yeah. So you first head over to on Twitter. You go to Obstruct View. That is our Red Sox podcast. You can uh, uh, hit that follow button, and then there's a link tree right in the bio. Hit that. Every single piece of content that we create, there's a directory there. Um, head over to Apple Podcasts, smash that subscribe button. Um, I'm really, really you know, thankful for the amount of uh, subscriptions and followers that, that just from that alone. It's been unbelievable to see every single like, – I go and I log in Apple – like every three or four days and I take a look at our analytics and see where things are. And, and just to see that subscriber account grow. Um, it's amazing to think that, you know, people want to hear what you're actually talking about for whether it's five minutes or the whole show, you know what I mean? But yeah, hit that up. You can find me at Chris Henrik, um, on Twitter. And then, you know, you can go over to, uh, beyond the monster. Um, that's where it all started. That's where all this kind of, you know, spawned into what it is, an article series. It's now multiple different Twitter handles, Two podcasts, Obstructed View, Soxpex podcast, TikTok is growing. We're on YouTube now. It's like, what aren't we doing? You know what I mean? So, <laughs> but yeah, check that out. Check out the guys too while you're there. Follow the guys from the podcast. They're they're um, they're in there. Jamie does really good content. Um, Steve's MIA. We joke about that right now. Um, he took a few weeks off, but um, and even uh, you know our, our new guy that joined us a few weeks back, Mickey from Texas. Um, you know, check all that out. We uh, just trying to give a different, uh, different little spin to, to Red Sox content for everybody that's out there. You do an amazing job doing that. So, so everybody go and check all that stuff out. Uh, you know, Chris just gave you the, sort of the map to you know go and support him. So you know, as you can tell, both of us are super passionate about this team, and uh, Chris does a great job of putting that passion not only into his stuff on Twitter, but his podcast and other content as well. But Chris, as always, greatly appreciate you coming on. And, you know, as, as this season sort of unravels a little bit more, I want to get, uh, you know, some some of our returning guests on at the end of the season, depending on how watchable this team is. Always down to record, always down to do some content, talk Red Sox, whatever it might be. And then, uh, you know, same thing on the flip side. We're um, – you know, we're, we're going to be trying to do some uh, kind of like crossover pods and stuff like that over the next couple of weeks. So just uh, I'm sure you'll hear from either myself or Jamie and we'll, uh, we'll yeah, get something linked together. Um, so we have, we have a lot of, a lot of good stuff planned. So awesome, man. Really appreciate you coming on as always. And uh, got to have you on again soon. Definitely. I hope that you did enjoy my conversation with Chris and have been enjoying this week filled of different guests. As I've mentioned multiple times, we do our best on this podcast to bring tons of different voices from the Red Sox, not only reporters, influencers, players as well, to give you as much insight in the behind the scenes look as possible. But as always, we greatly appreciate everybody making Locked On Red Sox their first listen of every single day. Now make your second listen, Locked On MLB podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings you humor, passion, and his unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories around the league. 
follow the daily number one league-wide podcast, Locked On MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Also, make sure to follow Locked On Red Sox on Twitter. It's LO underscore Red Sox, as well as myself. It's at Jake Iggy, and also my co-host, Lauren. It's at La La La. Three laws, Lauren with four R's. But we greatly appreciate everybody tuning in as always. And we hope that everybody has a great rest of their day. We'll end it how we always end it. Let's go, Sox. Peace.